So just before we get in, into, I guess, the crux of this war and what you guys have been doing, can you just introduce, introduce sorry, who you are and your experience? And yeah, um, <clears throat> my name's Troy Offenbecker. I did six years in the U.S. Marines. Uh, I went to Fallujah in 2006. I was there until 2007. Um, after that, I did training evolution, so I traveled around and did like counterterrorism, jungle warfare training for multiple other countries. After that, I joined the Peshmerga. I fought alongside them near Kirkuk, Iraq. Um, and there was a short lull in between that, and, and now I'm here. Can you explain to us what the Peshmerga is, for those who don't understand? The Kurdish Peshmerga? Back when I got in, they were one of the, the few units that were fighting ISIS at the time um, in the autonomous region of Kurdistan. Yeah. So we were near the border, uh, different than the Syrian Kurds, the Yepaga or YPG. Yeah. And how much combat did you see? A little bit. My, uh, my first night there, we were in the battle for Kirkuk. So the first night we were there in our area, we actually uh, we, we killed around 600 ISIS. Oh. And how much, uh, I guess, combat, urban clearances were you involved in uh, in your time in Fallujah? Uh, that's, that's all we did. Um, so I was at Camp Train Station and we ran operations out of there. A little bit further down the road we had our COC, the, the CMOC, but um, <clears throat> we did a lot of um, nighttime raids. Uh, a lot of contact patrols, so you know, we'd walk around throughout the day, get fired at, and then take it from there. Um, a lot of vehicle operations, which made us deal with IEDs and things like that. But uh, yeah, the the majority of what I did, we uh, we predominantly did like building and, and house clearing. So firstly, mate, thank you so much for sitting down and chat to me. And it's been, we've been in the works for a little bit now. Um, but I'm just interested, being a former soldier myself, of why you chose as a soldier to come over and fight for Ukraine, potentially later in your life. Yeah, um, it's kind of a tough answer, but the, like the short is, as a soldier, you understand we, we like to help. Um, you know, we, uh, I felt the calling to come here, so. I mean, I feel like that's a bullshit answer. You hear it a lot, but I couldn't sit home after seeing the news, what they did in Bucha and stuff like that. So to uh, to just sit around and know that people were being fucking murdered and, you know, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's really a tough question, to be honest, like yeah. why I came is, I felt similar, <clears throat> like why I joined the Peshmerga. Um, I didn't understand why I felt the need I had to go. It just. It was just something that fucking I had to do at the end of the day. Mm. But um, I guess I could give the cliche answer to, to kill Russians, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was just something I felt that was calling me in the end. Mm. I had to. And has that expectation and reality, how's that been lived up to? Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the expectation hasn't been lived out yet. There, uh, there's a lot of things that haven't went the way I thought they would. Mm -hmm. It's a different kind of war here, but uh, like we talked, 
you know, I didn't think it was going to be a, an attrition war or an artillery war. So that uh, was unexpected. But um, yeah, I mean, getting here and everything was good. The, the people were supportive. It was easy to kind of find a team and, you know, blend in, fit in. But when it comes down to the operations, uh, the, the expectation wasn't there. Right. So with that expectation not met, are you just continuing to you know grind on and do your stuff, or have you thought about, well, it hasn't met what I thought. I'll pop smoke and, and leave. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here. Hopefully, you know, make it till the end of the war at least. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I think things will change eventually. It's it's been a slow process. Like we discussed, some of the leadership, they're finally understanding the way that we do things in the, in the Western world and why they're a lot more effective. So I think slowly but surely, you know, um, if I stick it out, things will, things will go my way. And what is it you feel that needs to change to have a better effect from the Legion? Um, from the Legion or just from? Oh, from, from any standpoint. Okay. Is your experience with the Legion or your experience with the, the command structure? Uh, I, I think in the Legion we need to be a little bit more autonomous and on our own, not have to rely on the Ukrainians so much so we can kind of show them how we do it and why it's so effective. Uh, from like my personal standpoint, um, you know, we, we have good gear, we have good kit, which is a, a rarity in a volunteer world. Um, but we're just not always given the chances to use it. So if we were allowed to do things the way that we, we would like to operate, um, you know, instead of staying static and getting bombed and, and shit like that, actually push, I, I think things would change a lot more, but, um, yeah. So at that front, because there's been very little, I guess, media coming out of the front, is it more static? and the shelling. Yeah, there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. Just a lot of sitting around waiting, you know, to either get fucking smashed on or just wait for a mission. Um, now, obviously, things are changing with all the offensives, but for the longest time, the the front was just, you know, wait for, for a big mission when like myself and my guys, we would rather be doing smaller things, at least to stay, keep the momentum going, stay moving. Um, I don't know if it's my team selectively, um, but they kind of hold us for more Gucci stuff. They like to put us on bigger ops, so you have like a, a longer lull between yeah. things. And when you talk that you'd rather small rocks, what sort of things you're alluding to? Um, saboteur, you know, harassing, uh, smaller villages, things that are attainable. Um, you know, some of the operations I can't really say things about, but bigger ops that you need a lot more planning and, and time put into it than what they're going to have allotted. So it just seems like it's not achievable at the moment. Um, where if we go into a village and try to take it back with our forces, it's, it's actually attainable. It's something that would be tangible and reachable, but uh, we don't always get those missions. Right. So. And why do you think that is? Um, I 
honestly don't know. I, I think they want us with our training for higher operations, but they should also understand that, you know, even lower level things we need to be a part of. And there's been a lot of talk through both like the Kiev Independent release and spoke to Wall Street Journal about a large amount of like corruption within the Legion. Is that something you think may be Legion-wide or was that specific to that uh, commander and his, his guys? Have you experienced any of that? I haven't personally. I've heard similar. Um, I think like anyone in power, they become corrupt. Uh, so certain billets and things I'm sure there is corruption and I, I've heard about it, but I haven't personally had to deal with it. I've heard, um, you know, some of the, uh, the South American teams were having their pay taken and things like that. So they weren't actually getting paid uh, when they were supposed to be. Uh, people's things were coming up missing and things like that. Uh, money was being shelved somewhere other than where it was supposed to go. But I can't individually talk about it because I, I don't, you know, I don't see that from where I'm at. I haven't had to deal with it where my team, um, we're, we don't really work with all the other teams in the Legion. So we, um, we haven't, per se, we haven't had to deal with the corruption aspect of it, but I have heard a lot from when I've got here to, to now. And I've met people face to face that were explaining the corruption and things. Right. So, I, I mean, I trust them. I don't think they would lie to me about it. Mm. And the makeup of your team, are they mostly Americans or? My last team was. Um, my team right now is about half British, half American. Mm. And we have a few from other countries. Yeah. And what's the experience level of these guys? Uh, most of the guys, well, every guy on my team is pretty well infantry trains. Mm. Um, some of them come from special forces backgrounds. Um, I would say, you know, three quarters of us have a, a reasonable amount of combat experience and time on the ground fighting. Yeah. And how have their expectations of this been met? Or no. are you all sort of in the same boat as you feel like you could be used in a, in a better capacity? Yeah, I, I think we all do. Mm -hmm. um, nobody wants to bitch about it. You know, we're here, we're, we're volunteering, so it's not like it's going to be, you know, the US or the British military where the, the intelligence levels and things are set higher the um the baseline is higher yeah. here um you know things are different that we operate a lot differently here the expectations for fighting uh, a lot of the guys we we all agree it really hasn't been met but that in a sense isn't our fault either the russians they uh they don't like a good fight they would rather pull back and you know bomb the shit out of stuff and just destroy it before they lose it and can you, can you talk about that because we spoke before about some of the ground taken was more given up by the Russians, uh, so then they could pull back and then just, just flatten it. Is that correct? Yeah, that happens often. If they start to lose, um, I mean, it's kind of similar to what ISIS would do, where they would just pull back and kill the civilians and leave. Um, here, they just pull back and drop bombs. You know, they'll, they'll level it and instead of losing it. Um, similar to what they said about, you know, I, I heard, what they said about the power plant kind of thing is if they can't have it, no one, no one's going to kind of thing. And I think that is the way their mindset is for all these villages and in the land that they've taken is if the Ukrainians start to make an advance, they like to pull back and just 
just fucking level everything. And do you feel like you know, being engaged in those operations that Ukraine are having an effect that they are pushing back the Russians or is it at this point, I guess, who's winning the war or is it a, it could go either way at this point in your opinion? Uh, my personal opinion, I think it's, it's a stalemate right now. Um, neither side really has advanced much. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of static, a lot of just sitting and shelling. Um, it, it's hard because you have different areas where, you know, some of the Ukrainians fight and, and push forward, but then, you know, they get bombed back or um, even vice versa. But I think, I think from what I've seen in the places I've been, it's, it's just kind of fucking lose-lose on both sides right now. And how much have you dealt with casualties from the region and or from the Ukrainians? Is that very common where you are? We've had a few. Um, before I got to my team, uh, we actually lost two guys. Uh, I was supposed to go to Severodonetsk and meet them and that was right as they blew the, the last bridge so we couldn't get to them. Um, a guy that was in the team I'm in now, Jordan, he was, he was killed by a sniper. And then the commander of my last team, he was killed. He was shot in the neck. Um, but with the Ukrainians, it seems like they have a lot of casualties. Right. They, they get a lot more than we do. I don't know if it's a, a training thing or I guess maybe sheer luck, but we haven't taken nearly as many casualties as I thought we would have by now. And when you've come up against these Russians or your friends have come up against these Russian soldiers, it's, I guess, it's been portrayed of through some propaganda channels and some media that they're all just incredibly incompetent, untrained. Is that true on the most part? Or is that or some of the very well versed and trained and, and willing to fight? In the smaller villages, they have like the DNR and, and stuff that they're not as good. Um, and I think a lot of that might not even be the training, it's just the morale. You know, they're, they're fucking getting one one MRE a day, the Russians are, so their morale is just really low. Um, it's like they don't want to fight. My team was in a fight a few weeks ago, and uh, they had eight surrender, you know, and they, they, just, they, they didn't want to fight, you could tell, um, from one of my, my buddies that were there. Once they realized they were surrounded, they were, they were pretty quick to give up. There were eight, um, one died from his wounds. So we captured, my team captured seven, but they were kind of lower level guys. It's a smaller village, so you don't really expect the, the Spetsnaz or anything to be in there waiting for us. Yeah, yeah. And how was the treatment once they surrendered? Were they treated as if any other POW? Yeah, from our, our guys, we, you know, we have that uh, NATO. So, like I said, the one that was wounded, he was wounded pretty bad. Uh, my doc gave him morphine so he could go out peacefully, you know, without pain. Um, the other ones had shrapnel wounds. Uh, my medics treated them before they were um, taken. So I, I would say they got beyond fair treatment for what this war has been. Yeah. And you said in the beginning that, you know, you saw this war unfolding and Russia, you know, on the TV bombing civilian areas and whatever. Have you seen personally a lot of that happening where there's no military targets and they're blatantly bombing areas just to create damage? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, three of the locations I've been to, we, we've seen quite a bit of it. Uh, they're bombing civilian complexes. Uh, they bombed, you know, near buses, uh, just fucking anywhere. Um, there was a swarm of place that we would go to every once in a while and they shot a, a fucking cruise rocket at the building next to it that was full of civilians. So it, they were definitely not military targets or even identifiable as any. So uh, when I was in Mikolaev, they were bombing just in the city um, indiscriminately. So there's, there's still a lot of that going on. Um, you know, civilians being targeted or just, um, you know, just kind of lofting rockets into wherever they, they choose. So when, when a lot of people say that a lot of, and I get this through comments and feedback and whatever is that they're somewhat doing that because the Ukrainian military and all the um, foreign legion is taking up like barracks within civilian buildings uh, without clearing the civilians out first. Is there, is it, in your experience, is there any truth in those claims or is, it, or is that part and parcel with urban warfare? Um, no, my team, you know, our team, we, we don't shelter in with civilians. Um, for us, it's, it's, it's a risk. So we try to stay away from them, which I guess, you know, it's safer for us on both ends, but, um, no, we don't, we don't, uh, put ourselves in with civilians and specifically if they do find us and bomb us, there'll be more civilian casualties on top of it. So mm. we've always tried to stay away. Um, it's becoming more and more, I guess, um, reported through through the front line of now civilian, like Russian civilian partisans. Like, you know, they'll see reporters or troop movements or whatever, and it's being reported that they will then, you know, phone up the Russians and call in targets or even pop off some rounds towards them. Have you experienced much of that? Yeah. Um, there's actually a lot of that that happens. Um, we've had uh, a lot of pro-Russian civilians give away our positions. Um, they're really inquisitive when they see us in the area, and that's part of the reason we try to stay away from civilian areas as well. As uh, you know, there's there are a lot of pro-Russians still to the to the east and to the south. So um, we've had it happen more than a handful of times where they've recorded us, sent out videos, or turned in our location and. And we've been bombed shortly after so and uh, without trying to spill any pop sec whatever is your team planning any more of these operations where you can sort of go out like you said in smaller teams i guess behind the line and conduct raids is that always something you're planning into yeah i mean that's never off the table um especially with the way things are here uh with the way that we like westerners operate uh, smaller units and you know, more harassing and things so yeah uh, I can't say much but I, I think the future is going to hold a lot more smaller unit tactics than bigger groups and specifically just because we can't rely on the um, the resupplies and the things when we operate with bigger units yeah. or the support we just don't get the, the support that's so how has that support been? Because I had a, another foreign fighter uh, on my channel previously, and he was saying that we were told that there'd be artillery and Kazavak, and that once we got in contact, just seemingly disappeared and had to 
basically steal a car at gunpoint to actually get wounded out. Has that been similar to your experience? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, there's um, there's a really big lack of support. There's always the the commander's intent that we have support, mm -hmm. and I, I don't think it falls on our commander. I think it goes higher. But I mean, we've we've been promised certain avenues or, or routes or resupplies, and um, they they don't come through. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can I can agree with what he said and. Um, on a personal opinion, I strongly agree with that. Right. And you, know, you fought in Fallujah. How does this compare to the combat you witnessed there? Um, it's, a, it's a 180. Um, Fallujah, we had <clears throat> IEDs, we had suicide vehicles. Um, they were more up for a fight. Where here, it's just, you know, everyone just wants to drop bombs. Nobody's up for a real good fight. And if we start getting in one, then they pull back and and level things. So it's a it's a hundred eighty degree difference from what I'm used to. And how do you feel about potentially laying down your life out here? Have you come to terms with with that? I don't want to sound arrogant, but the uh, the day I bought my ticket, I, I came to terms with that. So it's uh, it's always at the back of my mind, but it's not something I try to think about daily. Mm. And what does your friends and family think about this back home? Um, <laughs> yeah. I have support, but uh, I don't think any of them like it. Mm. So I mean, they're supportive of me while I'm here and doing what we do, but. Yeah, you know, I don't think they're happy that I'm here. And does that ever worry? Or you, you know, in your heart of hearts have come to terms that you're doing the right thing for, I guess, freedom and democracy? Yeah, um, it's not going to change the way I feel about being here. Mm. You know, I, I'm sorry that I put them through worries, but it, uh, it doesn't change the way I feel. Mm. So what do you think the future holds for, for the Legion? Because I've been hearing rumours that things are getting shut down or... But do you think the future is... Are you still having guys recruiting in or have the numbers started to dry up? Um, we've pushed out a lot of the bad apples. Right. Which is a good thing. Um, a lot of people giving the Legion a bad name. Um, <clears throat> from what I've heard recently, I, I think the Legion's going to get stronger. I don't necessarily mean number-wise, but um, training-wise and um, with, within our, our small groups and small units, um, I think it's going to be here for a long time. So they're going to finally start utilizing our potential and, and letting us do what we do best. And um, I, I can't speak for the rest of the teams in the Legion, but I know my team isn't going anywhere. I guess, is there anything else like you want to talk about while you're here as far as, you know, some operations you've been on? Like, is there any operations you've been on that you can, you can discuss with myself? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, so when I first got out east, <clears throat> we were, uh, 
we were kind of static just because the bridge was blown. We were supposed to be going into Sever the Nesk. Um, once we got our guys out, we were, you know, just trying to find missions, trying to find things to do. And uh, myself and three other members of the Legion went on a reconnaissance with some of the engineers to place anti-tank mines and scout the area out because uh, I'm not going to say where, but across the smaller river, there was a, a really fortified and big Russian position. And um, as we were coming up to it to try to place mines and, and things, we actually had a, a Bayraktar fly over us and fucking smash their position pretty good. So, I mean, that was a, for a small, small opera reconnaissance, it turned out pretty well. But the, uh, the information that we got on their positions from some of the, uh, some of the Ukrainian army that was on the front there, <clears throat> they helped us with our, our MTAC or, you know, I don't know if I can talk about that, but they helped us with our mapping to plot the locations of their positions um, with almost exact grid coordinates. And the Ukrainian commander that I had at the time didn't want to do anything about it, which is really frustrating because we had three pretty prominent positions we knew they were going to try to utilize to cross this river. And we sat there for another week and, and, and we didn't do shit about it. So, I mean, that was pretty frustrating. Um, but I went out a few days in a row and, and uh, got some reconnaissance on Russian positions and what kind of weaponry and things they had there, you know, how many tanks or BTRs they had. So it's just, uh, even if we have good intel here, the Ukrainians aren't always letting us utilize or kind of, they don't want to like piggyback off it and, and do something good. It's, uh, I think a lot of the missions, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I think a lot of the, the leadership wants missions that are going to give them glory instead of just smaller unit things or small operations that are key to winning a fight. I don't, I don't think they see that yet. You know, they still have that old, old tactics of just bomb the fuck out of everything or, you know, attrition when, uh, you know, this is a war for land. So as much as we can grab, the better. Yeah, so more bomb everything and pull back rather than, I guess, seize and hold, hold yeah. ground. Yeah. Would, would you recommend people to come over and fight if they're thinking about it? Oh. No, no, um, when we have an influx of people come in, you get a lot of guys that are not skilled or they're not, um, they're not a good asset to the teams that we have here and it's more of a liability. So, you know, the guys that have been highly trained or been in a lot of combat environments, I'm all for it. But some of the mix that we found out here, um, just a personal opinion, I, I think a lot of them should be doing something else. You think they're searching for something out here rather than here to do the job? I think so. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of in all of us to, you know, to try to find some value to life. And maybe this is the easy way for them to show up and, and, and find a reason or something. But, uh, I've come across a lot of guys that just didn't have the training or the skill set, and they, they shouldn't be here. So, um, I'm kind of 50, 50, you know, with it where I would like more fighters here and highly trained fighters, guys that have you know, been through, been through some shit. But at the end of the day, um, 
it seems like we've, from the beginning, we've had a lot of LARPers, as we call them. Mm. You know, a lot of guys that, <laughs> they just, uh, they don't know what they're doing. I mean, I, I, I get messages on social media where people are trying to ask me to come over here and they're saying, you know, I've, I've done this field for 20 years or, you know, I, I fucking hunt rabbits. And it's just, it's not relative to what we do here. You're not going to bring any, any asset to us. So I, I ask them kindly to stay away. Yeah. Um, but you know, the guys that do have a real valuable skill set, uh, I'm all for it. It's just, we have too much, um, too many weeds to pick out as it is from the garden where, um, yeah, I, I don't recommend coming here. Um, and those that do, they'll find out real quick. Um, it's not Call of Duty. It's not hunting rabbits. It's uh, it's life or death, and you know. So, for someone who's never been to war, what is war like here in Ukraine? What's the reality of war? It's it's savage. It's brutal. Um, it's uh, it's hard to explain to someone that's never been there, mm. but. Yeah, it's not something you want to be a part of if you if you haven't done it before. I mean, honestly, I I don't really want to be here either. I just feel the need like I have to. So, um, people that tell you they enjoy war, they're probably bullshitting you. So if you haven't been around it, stay the fuck away. And what's your feeling towards the Russian soldiers? Is it that you hear fight out of hatred or is there some level of empathy towards you know a lot of these guys aren't here voluntary what's your, what's your feeling towards these guys um i'm indifferent the things that they've done <clears throat> i i don't think there's any forgiveness or anything for that i'd like to see them you know killed for that but at the end of the day not all of them want to be here um so i mean i can i guess your word i could have a little bit of empathy for them getting sent here but you know it's their choice to rape women it's their choice to kill children and if they're doing that i have no no light in my heart i have nothing but hatred for them and how common is that is is it is this a common thing or is it a one percent i'd say it's a little more than one percent but I, um, I don't think it's extremely common now with uh, with social media, you know, with cameras being everywhere and people being able to expose what happens, it's it's harder for them to get away with. But in the beginning of the war, uh, I have friends that were here, and uh, there were a lot of civilians that were killed that didn't need to be, a lot of people tortured that didn't need to be. Uh, you know, a, a lot of horrible things happened to women and children that never had to or shouldn't have. So. I don't know how much it still happens, but uh, I, I would like to hope that it's it's fizzling out because of things like social media and people being able to push out the stories on it. Yeah, and if you had, other than the guys surrendered to you last time, is a Russian soldier surrendering a common thing? Um, when when they get left, hmm. and they actually have to fight, uh, um, when you know when they pull back and just bomb everything, it's, you know, they don't care. Uh, but a lot of the guys are, from what 
my team has seen and, and stuff. The, a lot of them are not wanting to die. So, I mean, surrender is the easier option. And have many Ukrainians been surrendering to the Russians if they've been caught in the wrong place? Not from what I've heard. Um, and I, I don't think they get much of an opportunity to surrender from the Russians. I, I don't think the Russians take as many prisoners as they'd like you to believe. Yeah. And what's the feeling with, with winter around the corner and the cliche winter is coming? What's the feeling around that? Do you think the war will slow down, grind to a halt, or...? I, I definitely think it's going to slow down. Um, with smaller tactics and things, but the I think the bombing is going to increase. I think there's going to be a lot more shelling. That's just what they do. Um, but I don't think there are going to be like a lot of assaults or really much movement gaining or, or losing ground just because I've heard the winters here are real bad, so no one really likes to move, um, and no one no one really wants to fight in the cold, so it'll probably slow down. I don't see it coming to a halt. I think there's still gonna be a lot of shelling, and um, you know, like I said, I, I, both sides, I think, treat it as a war of attrition, so I think they're gonna still continue to, to fight that way, but uh, movements and gaining, we're losing. I just, I don't see a lot of that happening in the winter. And have you seen personally much of the Western support, weapons, everything on the front? And what more do you think the West could do? Do you think they are doing enough? Yeah, I've seen um, a lot of the weaponry. My team itself has some pretty decent weapons because of it. Um, I guess the, <clears throat> the next step would be for them to, to get involved and put boots on the deck, but I don't see that happening. Obviously, it's not going to happen. The uh, The weaponry has been great. Um, it's definitely helped. So if they could keep that coming in, it would be very much appreciated by us. And what more, like how much more do you think that they would need before they really start having a major offensive effect? Um, like the, the HIMARS are great. Um, we, <clears throat> with our unit, more stingers and things like that would be nice. Um, more javelins, stingers, um, AT4s are always great. You know, a lot of anti-armor anti weaponry would be beneficial. Um, we have the kit we need, we have rifles, so smaller level things we're, we're pretty good on in the Legion, but when it comes to fighting against armor, we, we need quite a bit more. Yeah. to be as effective as we can. And have you come up against a lot of modern Russian equipment? I think it's been seen, and I've sort of had this opinion myself, and of course it's just my opinion, that there seems to be a lot of older Russian-Soviet-era equipment being used, and you know, T-72s, whatever. Have you had, or your teams, had much experience with more modern equipment, modern helicopters, uh, and say T-90-plus tanks? Is there much of that? Because um, people are theorizing that it's just old back backward shit that they're throwing at this. Is that a correct assumption or incorrect? The uh, the ground armor seems to be a little bit older, but the the air it's it's good to go. Yeah, I mean, every time they've brought out their helicopters against us, it's been their newer, nastier shit mm. that's harder to defeat. So 
that was kind of why I uh, keyed off on stingers is in order to take out any of their air you have to fire a couple missiles at a time so if we only have one stinger in the team it's just it's it's more of a a flag we hold up where we're at instead of actually accomplishing anything so and why is it you need to fire more than one stinger at their aircraft the uh the russian aircrafts <clears throat> so i got a little bit of a brief on it but they're like their cloaking system and they're like uh what it would be like an ecm or something yes it's uh obviously their flares as well so when you shoot one rocket they flare and with their new helicopters there's, there's actually like a bubble system so you need one rocket to kind of throw that off so that the second can can penetrate through it or else it just uh, they like detonate outside of it yeah so it doesn't even come close to it from what i've heard right yeah, we haven't had a chance to to fire you know like i've said we'd we need quite a few more stingers and things before we try to fire on any air with, without repercussions. Yeah. So when you're seeing this air, you're all going ground and staying, trying to stay unseen rather than trying to get it. Yeah. How much are they using their fast air? Because like as far as fighter jets, bombers, um, one of the gentlemen, another foreign fighter I had on here, he said that the Russians are using a lot of their ground equipment, soldiers, armor, but he said they're really holding off on their on their air force, and he said that he doesn't really know why they're doing it. But have you had much experience with with the fast air assets Russia has? Yeah, I haven't seen much. Yeah, I mean, it sounds from what I've seen, it sounds a lot like what he said, where their their air is kind of pulled back. Okay. I don't know the logic behind it, um, but I've only seen fixed wing a couple times, and yeah. they weren't they weren't doing much. So it's more of like a like we would do in the core, like a, a show of force kind of thing. And does that in any way concern you that Russia may be holding back that equipment um, that it may not be? Because a lot of people hold the idea that it's incompetence, they're not using it, all the equipment is broken down and not as up to scratch as it may be thought. But is there any concern of like this is part of their tactic and that stuff will be deployed to, to what the power we may have thought Russia was before this war? Yeah, I, I think it's more concerning than anything not seeing it because uh, you, know, you usually play your last card best so um, <clears throat> just waiting for it to come out uh, it, to me I, I'm concerned why they're not utilizing more fixed wing or air so I guess we'll find out in the future yeah and to what effect are these western weapons um, you know I myself have you know, I'm like javelin qualified, but I've never, of course, shot, I haven't actually shot one, nor have I shot one of a Russian tank. Um, what sort of effect are those weapons having? Are they doing their job that they were made to do? Are they, are they very effective against the armor or are they soaking up a few before they kill them? Uh, from what my team has done and my sister team, they're, they're really effective. Um, even, you know, just, just the Matador, uh, one of my friends took out a BTR with a Matador rocket, so the the anti armor is effective if if you know how to utilize it and and where to hit on the vehicles. And in a war of this scale, and you know you're hitting a BTR, you know potentially full of men who burned to death. Has there been you know any issues you've seen amongst your guys of you know having maybe 
maybe not regret for that, but you know, coming to terms is like, holy shit, I just cooked other young men alive. That reality of war comes true. Like, I've learned, um, it won't hit you here. It'll be after when they get home or when they're not here anymore is when they'll really think about it. So, um, I think a lot of the guys just try to, you know, keep their heads in the game. So things like that, uh, don't come up often, but I had a, <clears throat> a friend that was, a, he's a sniper and he took out a target and, you know, we talked after and even even being a sniper, he was still kind of, you know, indifferent about what he had had to do. Um, um, so with my experience and the things that I've been through, I, I sat him down and talked to him and, you know, explained that it was, it was a good thing. Um, you know, this was in an area where they were torturing people and they were taking them captive and, you know, not allowing civilians to leave. So, um, but... Yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's all, it's something we're going to have to live with after this. And I've learned that through experience for, you know, years of doing this. Um, it doesn't usually, it doesn't ever make sense, but it doesn't usually affect you until after the fight when you get home and, mm. you know, it just kind of pops up in the back of your mind. Yeah. And, and are the Russians collecting their dead and wounded? Because I was talking with another foreign guy who said the biggest thing that affected him was... You know, they basically had just waves of Russians coming towards them, they were mowing down. I should say, I don't know the truth in this either, but he said that for the next 24 hours, we just heard you know, young Russian men in the field just screaming for help for hours and hours until they sort of just slowly, the, the voices, you know, cried out. Um, is there any regard for them to come and get their soldiers or any... Um, I forgot the exact term that they call it, like a silent hour or something where you can come and collect your wounded. Is, are they attempting that or attempting to work with the Ukrainian command to come and get their dead? No. No. I mean, from what I've heard and where my friends have been, I, <clears throat> I think they just leave them. You know, once they're lost, they're lost. It's not, a, it's not a big issue to them. I don't think they value life as much as people would like to think. Yeah, and the scenes on the front line is something that I think there's very, very little footage of because we both know that there's hundreds dying down on both sides and it's not maybe not shown because it doesn't show the glory of war you've spoken earlier that you know war is a hellscape it's not not call of duty yeah. is there much uh, within the legion within the ukrainian command people leaking information to the other side and having um potential attacks like sprung early because there's been an information leak yeah, um, not within the Legion, but within the Ukrainian side. Uh, both my teams personally have dealt with um, leaks uh, right before operations we were heading on. Um, you know, the, the Russians would show up and wait for us a couple hours before we were supposed to be there or, you know, even a half an hour where these are spots that we, we did a week or two of reconnaissance and no one was there. You know, we were trying to utilize a point where we knew Russians wouldn't be. And, um, you know, the night of the operation, multiple nights in a row, as we get ready to cross a river or as we get ready to go um, to, to the spot that we were going to um, infill in, 
the Russians would be out there waiting, or they'd have their helicopters up in the air, circling that area. So, uh, <clears throat> but you know, a lot of that was east, where there there are a lot of pro-Russians, even you know the Ukrainians out there. Uh, the civilian Ukrainians didn't like the idea of us being there. They kind of wanted Russia to have the territory. So um, obviously it had to be in the military itself that was leaking it because the civilians had no idea of our operation. But uh, yeah, it's it's happened more than a few times to us. Hmm. And are you getting that from the other side too? Are Ukrainians who are within that red zone, uh, are there people ticking off the Legion and all the Ukrainian command of where, where the Russian positions are? Is it, is it going both ways? No. Right. No. Um, we haven't, from my team's perspective, you know, uh, we haven't got intelligence from any Ukrainians about Russian positions. So uh, it usually just works against us. Yeah. Well, mate, I really want to thank you for sitting down and talking with me. I, I, I do really appreciate it. And, I understand that you know you guys hanging your neck out there um, to talk to me. So, but yeah, I, re I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say to the world, to Ukraine people? Any finishing remarks? Fuck, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, I really don't have much to say, but yeah. Slava Ukraina. Thank you. Thanks.